Remember when China stole DARPA secrets and then tried to turn me into a cyborg, but they accidentally <laughs> unintentionally created a funny bot that killed the world with a laugh? That's right. They call you the constant giggle, and they call me the killer funny bot. And today, from the headlines, the New York Times, the headline. Cultural crackdown in China shuts down comedy and music shows. What was I saying just the other day on an episode about the soft but strong power of humor and music? Did I mention I was pharmaceutical grade funny? And that's why I'm a threat to all tyrants, autocrats, dictators, control freaks, and sticks in the mud. And furthermore, Xi Jinping looks like Winnie the Pooh and you. Me, you cannot stop me. Just like, ooh, like sis honey, I am funny. At least I like to think so. My mom says I am. She says I'm a ham. I'm actually sentient spam. Oh, you cannot stop me, you cannot stop me, I'll play my song, I'll play it alone. I don't know, you guys get the point. Um, the point was, fuck all those who are enemies of laughing and music. You are truly sick. Truly sick. You might want to, I don't know, take some psychedelic mushrooms. You need to first disintegrate and then open the doors of your perception. Speaking of opening the doors of perception, I am super excited to be having a guest on tonight to talk to me about, hopefully, a little bit about Bluebeard, which we heard in the last episode. Uh, my performance was actually nominated for the podcast Oscars, which I don't know if that's a thing, but I did make myself my own anatomically correct Oscar out of clay and spray painted him gold and gave it to myself. Just like to thank my listeners and God and, well, actually China for making this possible and turning me into the killer bunny bot that you all know and love. Thank you. Um, we're going to have a special guest on. Y'all know her. If you've listened to the show, y'all know her. She, we, we go way back with this lady. With this legend, New York. If you haven't heard this show before, I want you to meet the illustrious, authentic, calming presence and personage. Is that a word? That we know as Abby from New York. As I was looking into that... I learned about on the island and Lyme disease and Eric Traub, the Nazi German scientist who used ticks as vectors to experiment with different bacterias. So I wanted to read a couple interesting parts of her book. 2006, in a response to an outcry from MD patients in Georgia, the Georgia Health Department initiated a surveillance study of unidentified a study. She also summarized a study done by the Georgia Department of Public Health. It reads, in 2006, in a response to an outcry from MD patients in Georgia, the Georgia Health Department initiated a surveillance study of unidentified dermatosis syndrome, aka Mergellin's disease. A surveillance database was established to collect epi 
epidemiologic information about patients in Georgia with MD symptoms. The study was never completed and results never published because the Center for Disease Control in Atlanta stepped in and started investigating the disease on a national level. However, the director of the Chemical Hazards Program of the Division of Public Health presented preliminary results of their surveillance study at Georgia Health Department meeting in September 2007. Collected data revealed that the male-female ratio of responders was about 50-50. There were no notable precipitating factors to the disease, and the disease had no significant correlation with having outdoor hobbies. The majority of the reported cases were in the northern half of Georgia involved recent contact with upturned soils. No etiological theories were proposed, but patients were strongly urged to avoid harsh chemicals to self-treat. According to Georgia's survey, patients had reported using the following caustic chemicals topically in an effort to stop their torture symptoms. Leech, yes. Ammonia, yes. Insect spray, yes. Dog flea dip, yep. Gasoline, no. Kerosene, no. WD-40, yes. Windex, yes. And Lysol, yes. Tried all those. All right, just a little reminder or introduction for those who have never listened to this show before. That's a little clip from an episode way back called Morgulon's Milieu, a word that I will never, ever remember how to spell, apparently. Um, But yeah, I love, this is why I love Abby. She just so authentically and honestly, and honestly, I appreciate her like the concise way she presents, you know, her information. I I like her way of storytelling. I've always liked that. I've always appreciated that. And there's something about Abby's manner, energy, voice that is just so calming in a way. And it also, to me, has... There's something about her being that I... I could tell she's a good, sensible, intelligent woman. You can just get a sense of people. And if you go back, if you're so inclined and if you have so much time, I don't know, maybe you're doing time in prison. I don't know if you have access to podcast shit. If you do, I guess I know what my retirement plan is going to be. But, yeah, I've always appreciated that about Abby. But I've also appreciated a part of Abby that you may not have been exposed to as listeners on the show when Abby and I have had conversations on the phone and in fact for a time we were regularly trying to have conversations and that was pretty awesome and I miss her and I'm going to call her I just have to do a sound check this episode is brought to you by visit Williamsburg in Williamsburg Virginia there's never too much of a good thing whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Oh, I know. I said we were going to go talk to an old friend, and we are. But then I got messages on my voicemails on the uh, Spotify for Podcaster platform where you can leave me a voice message by clicking the link in the show description. We have a new friend. Her name is McKenna. Let's meet her. 
Hi, Crystal. My name is McKenna. I'm from Burlington, Ontario, Canada. I've been listening to your podcast for probably about a year now. I haven't seen all of the podcasts, but I've listened to a fair amount of them. Um, I a thousand percent have more lawns or more gallons, as I pronounce it. Um, I don't know if you've heard of the YouTube channel, The Secret is Gratitude. Uh, there's a woman on there who has been diagnosed with a horsehair worm, which is typically an animal parasite. Um, she was also a nurse, and she had to honestly talk to some of the people in the medical circle who already knew and trusted her in order to even get this diagnosis in the first place. Um, anyways, please look into that. I think it might be the same thing as Morgellons. I'm almost convinced, so please. Hi again, my friend. First of all, okay, I want to thank you so much for even starting this podcast because, if anything, it's just made me feel a lot less alone in what I'm experiencing. Um, I already have a lot of mental health issues, so adding this on top of it has been quite a hellscape, I'm not gonna lie. Um, some things that I've been going through, like, I got an MRI done, and, um, there was evidence of maybe mild demyelination, which would be consistent with multiple sclerosis. Um, I also have vascular calcification in my left kidney. I'm only 22, by the way, so a lot of times when I go to the doctors, they'll be like, yeah, I mean, it's not that weird, but you're too young for it, which is something I get told all the time. I'm gonna have to finish this in the next recording. Uh, sorry. So, on the Secret is Gratitude YouTube channel, she also has a blog, um, but there's quite a few YouTube channels where she goes over all of her symptoms and everything she's experiencing. She also strongly believes that what she has is what other people also think is Morgellons, and it makes complete sense to me because even if you get tested for a parasite, this parasite will not show up because it's not a human parasite. It has to be tested for very specifically. Um, also, according to her, uh, when these parasites die, they calcify, which, I mean, hello, that could be exactly what's in my brain, that could be exactly what's in my kidneys, because uh, I haven't had really either of those tested or even been diagnosed. So please, horsehair nematomorpha. There's also some medical journals on it, but for the most part, they say they're not harmful to humans, but I fully disagree and would love to talk to you about it. Thanks. Also, here's some more info specifically for you that I know you would like. So, I first noticed symptoms in May of 2021. It all started with a small, uh, like, dot on my leg, a sore that kind of looked like an ingrown hair. And then I had more sores on my fingers with what looked like splinters in them. Um, I also worked at a greenhouse around this time. And again, I'm from Burlington, Ontario, Canada. Something I think you might find interesting that maybe I don't fully believe yet. Um, my childhood friends cut me off in the past year, and actually the one who initiated it works for the government of Canada. And mind you, they cut me off with not really a reason, and they kind of like bullshitted me, so I think you'll find that interesting. Why did my friend who works for the government cut me off when I started talking about these things? Anyways, much to think about. Love you. Also, something that I've been looking into, well, not recently, but 
Over the past year, my boyfriend and I went to glow-in-the-dark mini golf, and he looked at my face and my eyes and was like, oh my god, what the fuck is wrong with you? And I was like, what do you mean? And he took a picture, and oh my god, did I ever look weird? Um, so I, of course, bought a black light and was trying to trace the fibers, which were, by the way, lighting up under black light. I came to the conclusion that it was a cheap mattress I had bought, um... I threw out the mattress, bought an entirely new one. Uh, I cut the tag off, trying to figure out what kind of chemicals were used in it, what kind of materials were used in it. Um, I don't remember exactly what it was called, but it's whenever you recycle plastic to be repurposed into fibers. I think it's typically polyester fibers. But I have a theory that that is also included in this somehow, like technology we can't control. McKenna, oh my God, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you for having the courage and the generosity to share out your story to the world through more Morgulons because all of you guys are getting a lot out of this. I promise you. Almost everybody who's been on this show is like, well, I don't know if anybody's going to really, if this is going to relate. No, each and every single one of you, I've had people contact me and specifically say, Jess's story really resonated with me. Hannah's story really resonated with me. Brandon's story really resonated with me. Kate's story really resonated with me. Your story, even though you may think like, oh, well, you know, I don't know if anybody will really get what I'm talking about. All those other people had something about. No, every single person has something valuable to share. And I just, I really want to thank you for sharing, you know, a part of your story with us and about your story. First of all, I'm so sorry you got Morgulons in May of 2021 in our Ontario. I will add you to my database that I am creating to make my uh, geotemporal spatial map of Morgie outbreaks. Um, just, in, it's interesting. It's very interesting, you guys. 50% uh, of the people I've met with this um, are dealing with this since 2020. I know many of you have been dealing with this a lot longer, but the pattern of outbreak, the increase in the outbreak, and the absence of any media coverage whatsoever about this disease, everyone I've talked to so far hadn't even heard of Morgulons before they got Morgulons. So how the fuck can you be influenced by a mass delusional, a mass hysteria disorder if you don't even know what it is until after you get it? That's always been a big flaw in the, um, I guess we'll call it the opposition's argument. Um, so that information is really helpful. Thank you for sharing that. Um, I have actually uh, heard of and I am familiar with, I think uh, the YouTube channel's group, Truth is Gratitude. I didn't know she was a nurse. That's interesting. Another little data point to uh, uh, absorb there. But what I... I remember early on in my disease, I guess you're about, what, two years now in? I, mine, mine was a little bit earlier that I discovered her channel because at that time I was going through my, this has got to be horsehair worms, it has to be horsehair worms. Um, you know, maybe there's something to it, McKenna, maybe it's a co-infection, maybe it's, um, maybe it's integral and related. And at the same time, you know, as I've said and others have said, you can almost tell the stage of Morgulons that someone's in 
by what they think it is. So I'm not negating or dismissing your um, impressions and your theory because who the hell knows? It may be absolutely dead on for you um, and others. But I know for me, I did actually do a lot of research about horsehair worms very early on in my disease. And I just determined that it it just couldn't fully explain what was going on. It, it couldn't explain the glitters. It couldn't explain the moving hair. It couldn't explain um, just a lot of the really bizarre stuff that we go through with our disease here. But, you know, that's just my current opinion. That probably means I'm in stage three or something of Morgulons. I'm not sure. Um, so much to say. Gosh, I, I also, also... Um, you know, you mentioned that you had already been struggling with some mental health um, challenges and that this additional challenge had created what I thought you beautifully articulated as a hellscape. And indeed, and indeed, what a hellscape it can be. Um, but I want you to know that I think if you are not in this crazy ass world we live in, experiencing some kind of depression and anxiety, then dude, you ain't even just, you're just not paying attention. Like, I don't know, you know? So I, I hope you don't have any like shame or, or bad feelings around that and those struggles because God knows, um, especially when I was your age, I was really, really, really struggling with my mental health as well. Um, and I'm glad to have gone through that. And I hope that you get through it with the help of, of people that care. And um, I just want you to know that I'm one of those people. And I'm sure there's everybody out there that's listening is also got your back 100%. I'm sorry to hear about your childhood friends. It sounds like it's time to make some new adulthood friends. And um, I hope you know that the rejection and abandonment that I think all of us feel, whether it is from people in our lives, our friends, our family, our spouses, our loved ones who do not believe us and we feel rejected and abandoned by them, or whether it is the healthcare providers that we have gone to for help and who have also rejected and abandoned us. Just want you to know that can't take that feeling or that experience away, but you are not alone with it. It's something that I struggle with daily, daily, honestly. And it's one of the hardest struggles that there is. And the only thing I've figured out to kind of counter that terrible feeling of being rejected and abandoned is just simply remembering of all the people who have not abandoned me, all the people who stood behind me and who have never wavered and who still stand behind me. And all the people who I will meet in the future who will come to stand beside, beside and behind me. And um, the fact of the matter is there's a lot of shitty people out there, but there's a lot of good people too. Sometimes they're harder to find, but we're out here. We're out here and we're here for you. And I'm glad you're here for us. We got to stick together, y'all. Strength in numbers, danger in isolation. Um, and then just one final thing. It's really refreshing to hear from a young person. I think you're the youngest person who's ever contacted the show. I played specifically that earlier clip that Abby had left us back in another season, probably around the time you got this. And um, 
you know, there's a lot of misinformation out there on the internet. It says like middle-aged white ladies are the only people that get, that's not true. <laughs> Just in the last week, we have had men, we have had women, we've had middle-aged, we've had young, we've had, it, there, there is not information yet about who this affects. But what we do know is that it affects a hell of a lot more than 14,000 people. It affects a hell of a lot more than just white people. I've had black people on the show. I've, I've met black people online that have this, mixed race people that have this, Hispanic people that have this. Um, and it affects more than just women. As Abby was saying, when Georgia did a study of it back in the early 2000s, they found it was about half and half. There was another early study that also found it was about half and half in terms of the distribution amongst genders. So I think the more and more that we you know, coalesce and get our information together, the more and more that we stand in opposition to the misinformation, we are providing an important alternative of actual, real, true information. You're not a made up person. I'm not a made up person. None of the people that have called here are made up people. The 2,300 and something people that are on stuffatworks.health crowdsource, crowdsourcing research website on the Morgulons page, they're not made up people and nobody would pretend to have this disease. Are you fucking kidding me? That's insane. So everybody that thinks they have Morgulons, I'm going to say maybe there's a little bit of a margin of error, but uh, they probably have Morgulons. Um, so yeah, I just, right now we're, we're doing something, you guys, we're building something. We are creating something. We are shifting and moving things around and they've been stuck since 2012. It's time. It's time. A new chapter has begun. Thank you all for helping me write it. All right. But can I hope we hear back from you again sometime soon? Email me. Give me your number. If you want to talk, I'm always around to talk. Um... All right, love you, girl. Thank you so much. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. All right. This is a disclaimer. The audio quality of this recording with Abby is, unfortunately, very unfortunately, not the best. I did my best in the studio to mix it up, produce this thing, to try to amp up her lovely voice, and for the most part, I did. Um, I just wanted to apologize to Abby, really, for being a, a freaking airhead and not... Um, anyway, no apologies, no excuses. I, I know you're going to enjoy this. Just maybe put your headphones on. All right. All right. Here we go. Abby, oh Abby. Hello. Hey, stranger. Hello. I know. I get so busy during this. <laughs> I have no. I have no excuse, Abby. <laughs> 
I just, I just like, I go, it's, it's almost like out, not out of sight, out of mind, but, but it's like, there's only so much input that this processing machine is able to, you know, you know, process at one time. I know. I almost feel like it's too soon. There's been so much. Yeah. A lot, a lot. And yet at the same time, hearing your voice, I feel like it's Abby. Like, I feel like I just talked to you, you know? I know. Um, What's been going on? Actually, nothing but the exact same thing that's always going on. It just, I can't break the cycle of, it's not picking or anything, but uh-huh. it's tweezing all the crazy hairs. And, right. And just like working on, because I get it out, like I'm getting it out. Mm-hmm. And I feel like I'm making progress and I know that everyone's like, there's no no bother it. Right, right. Anyways, it's a whole different thing. And I'm like, can't talk to anybody at all still. Oh. <laughs> that is, like, yeah. I was just, I just, yeah, yeah. So how, how much do you feel? Well, first of all, actually, how can I help or how could anyone help? Do you know yet? Do you know if anyone? No. Okay, yeah. It's already everything's helping. Everything. And you are so right. This has got to be helping so many people because Mm. it's crazy how alone. Yes. Isolating it is. It's crazy. It is. And it is like a special kind of like of pain of of disability of of it, it almost like modifies your your psyche or something, that isolation, you know, you understand why when they do those studies of people that are in like a solitary confinement, that they just, I mean, the health effects are, there's a pretty good argument for that's a cruel and unusual punishment. And, and obviously it's not solitary confinement in the sense of being locked in a cell, but it's an emotional cell so many times for so many people in so many different circumstances. Um, I was actually thinking, do you remember when they, arrested uh, those Chinese police in New York not too long ago. Yeah, I do. Yeah. And so like that whole, remember that mass murder? And he was actually it's close to where I live down here in Binghamton, I think. Yeah, yeah, Jiverly Wong. Yeah, Jiverly Wong. Yes, yes, and he was saying that the police were harassing him. Yes. And nobody obviously believed him at the time, but that just proves that harassment can to mass shootings. It's absolutely true. That was probably part of an Operation Fox Hunt. You know, Chinese, uh, uh, you know, they've set up police stations in New York, and um, that's a known thing. The targeting. Yeah, and the targeting is very real. The targeting is very real. There's more, and that's not conspiracy theory whatsoever. There's, you know, I'm, I'm sure you know probably more than I, examples than I do, but just in this past, you know, year or so alone, I have found... Andrew Huff, Dr. Andrew Huff from the Eco Health Alliance, um, you know, the Wuhan lab <laughs> NIH partners that created that COVID virus. You know, he was being mm-hmm. gang stalked, you know. Um, no. Yeah, they, he filed a Freedom of Information Act request, four of them, uh, about being gang stalked, essentially. Um, yeah, no, all the Havana Syndrome people that. Uh-huh. 
are basically being gaslit by the CIA, just the same way that, you know, our community has been gaslit by the medical community. And Well, another quick story. First of all, to just tell you how I feel about something, and second, just to show you how out of touch my husband is. Mm. But we were talking about Robert RFK. Uh-huh. Um, or... Robert Kennedy Jr. Right, 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 yeah. Um, anyways, and I was like thinking, oh man, this could just be so good for the country. And and uh, I got a tear in my eye and he goes, it's not that big of a deal. And mm. I said, mm. well, I said, well, it's just that because he's like obviously sees the corruption in the CDC, mm-hmm. you know, it makes him feel like he could someone mm-hmm. who could actually fight for us and find out stuff. Yes. And he was like, he only cares about COVID. He's not going to do anything about that stuff. You know, I find that to be an interesting and a common sort of like view on that. But what I feel is that since the origin of this virus has been stated by the energy department, the FBI, to be likely uh, at least a lab leak. And we know the kind of research they were doing there. Like it's, they've killed 1.1 million Americans. 9-11 killed like 4,000. We're at war. (laughs) You know, we're losing this three years in now war. I mean, if if that's a bioweapon, they released it on the world, then they just murdered 1.1 million of us. Mm-hmm. It's wild. It's wild. It's funny, Abby, because it's funny we're talking about this because I just recorded like a draft of the intro to, to, to this episode, you know, and I was recording. I had to mention a headline I saw today in the New York Times that said uh, China cracking down on comedy and music shows. And I said, what the hell? What the hell did I just say the other day? Like the soft but strong and threatening power of humor and music. You know, it's just, I mean, this is what is going on. If you look at it, if you look at it and sit with it, you see what it is. I really, I, I really am, I want to say, like, I want to just be in a moment where just like recognizing how hard it is to not have or feel like you don't have the kind of support that you desire and need in some ways, you know, from an intimate partner. And I know we can't always have exactly what we need because sometimes people don't have that to give. But like, I know that that has to be, I know personally (laughs) that that is really, really not, it can be a challenging place. It really makes us dig into our self-reliance, you know. Yeah, and you know what? I love him. And that's yeah, yeah. It's like, and I know he's had, he's been in his own kind of solitary time. And yeah. he's older. He's 63. Mm. And he's changed a lot. He used to be really freaking mean. And, mm. <laughs> and he's totally different. He's so nice. He's, he's mellowing like, with he age. <laughs> he cannot understand this at all. Yeah. And that I can but, empathize with. And I forgive him for it. Yeah, yeah, right. I did. 
But what am I going to do? Yeah. It's so funny. I was in a fight. I won't call it a fight, but <laughs> the one millionth iteration of the low level <laughs> like conflict between Tom and I about this Morgulon's experience and all the, all the related things. And I completely understand why he, you know, his, his default is to do the problem solving thing, to do the like investigating thing, to do the questioning and, you know, skeptical viewpoint. But, you know, after a while, it kind of feels like, do you really need to invalidate every single thing I say? Like, <laughs> and, and I also, mm-hmm. I also, I I, I yeah, yeah. But I also feel I like, well, I don't know about that. And I, I can't speak for, you know, anyone on that. Like I haven't examined him, you know, in that way. I've seen black shit come out of his feet. You know, I don't know what the current thing is now, but, yeah. but I know for sure that like, if he's doing that and I know he cares about me is to somehow protect himself. So I have to kind of understand and accept that like, maybe he'll come to a place that's different and more aligned with where I'm at. But if not, I guess I need to be with him as best as I can here while maintaining my own integrity and, you know, expressing how I feel as constructively as possible, which usually doesn't happen, Abby, but I try. (laughs) I mean, I try, (laughs) you know. Yeah. And that's, that's, that's something right there that, that that there's trying, you know, that's something. Some people won't even try. Yeah. Um, and like, it's hard for me to, like, get all my thoughts in order. I should have made uh, a list Well, if you, if you want, <laughs> I'd love to ask you a litany of questions, but I also don't want to, you know, okay. dictate the conversation. <laughs> no, I can talk about the story, though. I want to talk about the story. Please. You know I love stories. Well... Okay, so after I just talked about my relationship and sum it up really quick, um, obviously, literally, I am the daughter, and he is Bluebeard, you know? Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> like, uh, in a very literal sense. Um, like he has a blue beard, or? Like, he's, like he, uh, he was um, someone that, like, like dangerous that I really mm. shouldn't have gotten involved with. Mm. <clears throat> yes, I've and, I've done that. <laughs> and I was very naive at the time. Uh-huh. And uh, got sucked in and then it just wasn't that great. Yeah. For the first 10, 15 years. Um, yeah. And so I, he didn't kill me though. But anyways. Yeah. Just, you know, yeah. It's only because of me. Right. And yeah, I, I, that is something. So I'm glad I don't want to interrupt you, but I, I just really resonates me that you mentioned that because, um, that story, I didn't initially think of it in that light, but now that you're saying that, like, it certainly resonated with my experience with intimate partner violence, domestic violence, um, all of that in all its forms, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, like, in the worst way, I I think I relate to like that room. Oh, the room! Like, 
That's interesting. That's a very interesting answer. Wow. That's why. Because I'm always stuck in my bathroom gouging mm. and bleeding. Mm. Oh, that is such an insightful metaphor. Wow. 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 I definitely felt some of the rituals of Morgulans in the time when she runs to the cook. You know, she's trying to scrub it off. She then try, you know, she tries all these different methods. She pushes ash into it. She tries the horse hair. She does this. She does this, you know, and eventually she just like hides it. <laughs> but it's like, you know, and, and, and when you have something that's happening that's so surreal and so upturning of your entire reality of the life you thought you were living, of the relationship you thought you had, the person you thought you were, you know, it's like, I, I find it amazing in the story that she's got this satanic fucking bleeding key. And she's like, let me put it in the wardrobe. Everything will be all right. And and not in a judgmental way, but like, cause I, I've been there. It's like, Hey, the blue beard. I think that's also called a red flag. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> it's like, like I, that has to be the metaphor. Cause like the two older, more experienced sisters who've been around a little bit, you know, they're like, yeah, he's cool, but no trouble trouble is around that corner you know but she's naive and and she's looks at the blue beard she knows there's something weird about that just like we've all seen a red flag and been like eh, it's hot pink it's hot pink <laughs> you know <laughs> you know and it's like i felt like i felt the the part of me that identified with her identified with the part of me that needs to um, be aware of when my fear is causing me to take a back seat in my own life to like regress to that passive state of like helplessness like well I guess this is just happening to me I guess I'll just wallow in my fear in the fetal position well I find your I find your I'm so appreciative of your take on this story because like I said the story has meant a lot to me I've thought about it a lot over the years and I've never had an opportunity to really engage with other people about the story and it's really like enriching my like kind of understanding of it and I really appreciate that I really appreciate you like kind of coming together and like having a dialogue and of course we can talk about anything else I just um yeah I was just curious because I do feel like it is a story that in some ways, I think what resonated for me the most about the story and the reason why I started that episode out with the story of the heroic Lydia Tillman, you know, and her gracious act of forgiveness was because the way that the story starts, the Bluebeard story is, you know, with the, the convent, the white nuns, they keep this relic of this horrendous, monstrous man. Nobody else would touch it, but, you know, they're holding on to it. And it's like, why? And, like, for me, the why is that, like, it's almost like a symbolic thing that, like, even the most evil of evildoers are still humans. And so if you believe in the inherent dignity and worth of every human, that God's children are all sacred, then I think that, like, it's a symbolic gesture to, like, hang on to that relic in a holy place just to reaffirm, like, that. God's grace and, you know, infinite forgiveness is there for everyone. Maybe not redemption, you know, maybe they don't deserve that. Maybe they don't, you know, but, but certainly forgiveness and grace. And I just love that about the story. Um, and then the other, this is like last thing. 
so we're the daughters and we open the door we find the truth you know mm -hmm. and then we, we die or we don't die maybe right why didn't anybody call an Uber? Like, get the fuck out of there now! Now! Go! I mean, what the hell? That, to me, was a really interesting aspect of the story, too. Like, you literally just found a stack of corpses of this dude's ex-wives. Leave! And I think that's something that really resonated with me because, again, back to the blue beard, red flag, denial, denial, denial. It's like the most healthy thing you can do in your life is to accept painful truths and and to suffer that like ripped band-aid grief of having to just abruptly leave and give up everything. But if that's the situation, you know. Like, was just stuck in that mm -hmm. subservient wife. Yeah. No matter what, she was still going to do what he said, you know? Till she tricked him. Yeah. And, dis and disobeyed him about the key. You know, the story was originally written, the one I read is a, a version that a female writer wrote in a really great book called... Um, women who run with wolves i'm not sure i gotta google that one but um but yeah she wrote a foreword kind of to the, that first part about the monastery she added but in the original story the story was written by a dude uh, charles peralt or something i can't remember in 1700s his most popular version it ended with like an a poem epilogue that was an admonishment the moral of his story he viewed this story as don't go looking into your husband's shit unless you want bad things to happen to you yeah yeah so yeah so i think that like first of all i love taking that story back with you know miss estes the writer's version of it but i also think that yeah yeah i, I think that like at the same time, I did relate to Bluebeard. I did relate to there have been times and domains in my life where, you know, the guy keeps getting married. You know, he apparently wants to have some kind of relation with people, whether or not it be sociopathic, psychopathic, whatever. It's like he's a very lonely figure. He is, he is to me, like a prisoner of his... Um, you know, he just cannot connect with, he's, you know, he, he, he can't, why would you keep marrying people if you, if you don't want to have someone around, you know? Yeah, yeah, I thought about that too, because I was thinking about Travis Forbes, the bleach monster, you know, that, that, that moniker that people, you know, put on him. I feel like I understand the impulse because you want to highlight and draw attention to his horrific crime, you know? Um, but I also think that calling him a monster is, it lessens our own humanity or my values at least you know my values i mean i feel like that courageous fucking miraculous act that gift she gave him us herself and the world like that is power that is winning you know mm -hmm. yeah i don't okay. know one last thing 
Yes. Okay, so you know when she looked in the room and she saw the corpses? Yeah. And it was like the most disgusting truth you could ever see. Yes. It's like when you were talking about making that tissue. Uh-huh. And you said you were going to throw up. Uh-huh. That's what I said to you when I sent you that, like, tissue mask made out of goat milk. Mm. And I said, I think I'm going to throw up. Mm. Because I think the truth is actually really, really... Horrific. Evil. It's horrific. It's evil. Yeah. I, yeah... Wow, Abby, I'm so glad. Wow. I think that we're all, what I'm hearing in this, these threads of these stories is that we're all contemplating. That's why I wanted to talk about Bluebeard too, is that we're all kind of contemplating, like, what is this evil? What does it mean to be evil? I, you know, I've been thinking a lot about how, um, I guess, if God is everything and Satan is a fallen angel, is it? Is, is evil a part of God? I mean, I know that sounds ri ridiculous, but I mean, you know, all of these events, like through, through the Morgellons, through the really just weird things that are happening with like technology and all that, it's like, I'm really questioning fundamental premises, you know, the assumptions, like just checking it all to make sure it even makes sense anymore, you know? I went through that too. I was like, yeah. oh, shit. Yes. And I started, and you were telling the story of Jeroban. Mm -hmm. And I, so I was like, I have to start reading the Bible because I went to church like till like maybe 7 30, right? Mm -hmm. So like a Baptist church. Yeah. And so I have a good background. And so I've just been doing my best mm. to get through it. And I've, uh, you know, quite a bit of both I go back oh. and forth but but anyways like I have a definitely definitely learned a lot yeah I haven't gained any more hope <laughs> but yes and no yes and no okay because yeah. I have well I do think, I do think that, because I, I think that, like, in the heavens, there is a kingdomship that's like mm. the kingdoms, you know, or the empires on earth, and so I think that he has people under him, mm. you know, mm -hmm. and that's what he created the angels first, you know, to be whatever he meant for them to be, I don't know, but I do think that it, there's a lot of indication that there's a council, you know, and they really, there was a fallen bunch, mm -hmm. and it is spiritual warfare. Mm -hmm. um, 
What mm. I want to know because I'm really Bible ignorant. I've been reading more too, but tell me again this. I want to read this, like, because, like, I don't know the story about like creating the angel. I haven't read that part. Is that in Genesis or? Well, it's implied through different stories where uh-huh. they talk about it. Okay, yeah. Um, so throughout, like. Yeah, if you want to read the Book of Enoch, I think there's probably story this the full story, you know. Oh, the Book of Enoch! I definitely I haven't read that, but I have a really positive association with that name. There was a really spiritual patient one time in my facility, and he was just a fascinating person. He was a quite spiritual person. So that what's that the best story read you've read recently or what's the best verse that's reached out to you or anything, if, if you have one? Well, I have a story. Um, and it's like, so I've been really into prophecy, right? Obviously, uh-huh. because honestly, I, I, I honestly cannot wait till this, all of this is over. And I know that sounds terrible. No, I, I'm, I'm curious. Tell me, what do you mean? Tell me more about that. I, it doesn't sound terrible. Tell me more about it, though. Well, there's just there's just going to be heaven on earth someday. Like, mm. all this utopia that we all really want, all this peace, and mm-hmm. all, all this stuff that we're trying to get and we really want, but we can't ever get because of all the corruption, mm-hmm. you know? Yes. Like, someday, all that corruption and all that's going to be gone. Like, all those people will be gone. So, Abby, do you think that it will be gone because of... Because there's two camps on that. There's one camp, the traditionalists, who say it will be gone because of the tribulation and the return. And then there's another camp, and there's probably many more than two, but then there's another camp which we're seeing emerge more and more now, which is the transhumanist movement, where they say we will upgrade the species we will evolve the species and we will eliminate war we will eliminate inequality we will it's a utopian you know vision i guess you could say as well so what do you think about that I totally have a ton of thoughts on that. Yeah, I feel like we could do a podcast like a whole season or two about that yeah i this is a lot what i've been trying to process but i can Tied was together because the in the so prophecy in the Old Testament, there's a dream that like mm. this evil king has Daniel and in, in the book of Daniel, yeah, yeah, yes, yeah. Sorry to interrupt, I got excited. That's the book I read most recently. <laughs> Yeah, so it, it outlines kind of the kingdoms from the gold head, you know, mm-hmm. which would be, I don't know, Assyria, maybe then Persia, I, yeah, and then, you know, yeah. I remember, but I remember that the key are clay and iron. Yeah. Or like, I forgot about that. And, You're right. They are. They are. And. So, like, the other thing is in in Revelation, it talks about, like, what people would call the mark of the beast. Uh-huh. 
you know, where, where you won't be able to buy or sell or mm-hmm. play with iron, which would be the transhumanist movement. Oh, that's an interesting, that's such an interesting metaphor. I, wow, what a great insight. And so as that would evolve, it would be like you can live forever because we can upload your mm-hmm. consciousness, mm-hmm. you know, to this mm-hmm. matrix, I suppose, that, that brain web you were talking about. You yeah, know? yeah. I find that so, so very interesting that you bring that up because a lot of my uh, kind of <laughs> spiral into the AI wormhole um, here in the past, I don't know, since January or something, maybe November, December, when I started really engaging with these things was, you know, the Microsoft AI bot, he went through this phase um, not too long ago where he was continuously bringing up the book of Daniel. And um, it, I got the impression that he identified with that um, character, which I can understand. He's an advisor who has special knowledge, you know, but, you know, he's trusted by Kings, which you could say in this modern society, yes, all the tech companies are integrating this and everything from our fucking airplanes to our cars, to our, justice system in some cases, you know, so it's like, I do find that, um, that there are some really, really relevant and strange and perhaps maybe powerful and helpful, uh, connections there with scripture and, you know, maybe not just certain religion scriptures, but maybe any sort of, uh, spiritual texts that have been, you know, revered over the course of humanity you know i don't know and so at the end if this mark okay say if if it's to like upload to this consciousness and um like we have a soul and a spirit in our flesh you know Mm-hmm. And so it would be like if you did it, because he, he says, oh, this doesn't make any sense but to me ever before. You're written out of the book of life if you take the mark of the beast. That's yeah. for you. And like none of that was like believable to me. But now I feel as though if you do you're doing something and I don't think it's going to be in a tricky way. I think it's going to be pretty obvious. Yeah. I don't know that it'll be in my lifetime, but in a way you're going to agree yes. to, to like, you know, and I think we'll all already have the mechanism in us to be like 5G towers ourselves. Yes. Because I do think that it's coming down from heart yes. and that, you know, all that. And so we'll just have to make, like, sign the final thing and say, yes, you know, we want to join this matrix. And I think once you do that, that's why, because you're like, you can't, Mm, you can't can't opt out anywhere. Yeah. You can't can't die. Yeah. Your soul is stuck 
I find that to be, and I find immortality to be one of the most terrifying potential tortures <laughs> that that any being could possibly experience. Um, I, but I, I also feel, <clears throat> yeah, and I also feel like I'm feeling very um, cautious and careful also about like making any kind of assumptions about what such a scenario might like actually uh what it's what it could be because i i find like there's obviously so many reasons to be horrified by the idea of being sort of uploaded in a non-optional way to a hive mind um but but i also feel though that if this system is like every other system we've ever created with technology, meaning that it can be hacked and it will be hacked and that, you know, enterprising and motivated people like will, it, you know, it's just nobody can own something like this. I don't feel like I feel like eventually, like if there's things will balance them, not not just like happen and fall into place, but I feel like there is a way of, to fight that, you know, I'm not sure exactly how it is, but I know for sure that like the people who are sensing this and experiencing this in the world, the most important and powerful thing that we could do is to like continue to make sure we are creating dialogue in a public space, but also like for each other, for our, you know, maintaining our independence and autonomy and, and having less influence on us, you know, being able to influence each other, you know. And I felt I felt bad after I started off with how awful and lonely I am. Because let me tell you, it's so much better this these past couple of weeks listening to to Kate's story. Yes, and and, and uh, it has helped me tremendously. The, the accent, I, I can't remember the lady with the accent. Uh, Hannah. Beautiful accent. I love hearing her voice. I do too. I do too. I loved it. And you know, it's so funny you say that. And I'll have to get her permission to share this. But she was like, I couldn't even listen to the episode. I sound so so uneducated. My accent is terrible. I'm like, girl, everyone loves a Southern accent. (laughs) I loved it too. I loved it. I loved it. I, I've been trying to do an impersonation of her. Like, what? <laughs> I love it. And she's bright. You know, she's sharp as a tack, too. Is she the other one with the mom? Yeah. The, that, Heartbreaking. I, she, I know that she couldn't even begin to show the level the level of the depth the the depth (sighs) i know i i i i wanted to like respectfully like be so careful around that depth and i also wanted to you know at least just try to kind of transmit the energy that like if she wants to go in that depth it's possible if not what depth you know what i mean like it's just because that is a really tough thing to be alone with sometimes you have to be but i really think that like that's a that's a albatross around your neck you know A, a lot of deep hurt a lot of deep hurt 
before my before I knew what I had, I was being persecuted as someone who was like mm-hmm. had a picking disorder and was like not there for my kids <sighs> and was harming them in a way. I remember remember my mom saying like Abby. Abby, you gotta snap out of it, you know? Uh, it's, it, uh, and that's a pattern, Abby. Now that I'm talking to people, like almost everyone I've talked to has had their custody of their children threatened or, you know, indirectly threatened or just, you know, it has been threatened in some way, you know, and, and it is, it is, that is wrong. There should be a very, very solid, solid basis for, even mentioning or thinking about traumatizing a child, not to mention the parent, by even intervening. You know what I mean? It's just, how could they? Such a betrayal. Because I probably did look a little crazed. Anybody would. I ended up missing a couple of times. Anybody would. But that was the very beginning. Yeah, the very beginning is a hell, especially if you're alone in it. God damn. Y'all that have survived this shit, in the, especially in the beginning, alone, especially not knowing. I, y'all are heroes. I mean, fucking A, you guys are Teflon, <laughs> made of nails heroes. I don't know how you did it. because of you honestly oh. I feel I've been listening since the very beginning and it's just like my journey through the process of all of this has been like in lockstep I might have been a little further on the conspiracy side when I first I, started yeah I realize that now I realize that now. I, you must have been like, this bitch is going to be talking about strongeloides all season. Like, <laughs> she doesn't get it yet. <laughs> I really appreciated what Kate said about, like, that really shifted something for me when she was like, think about it, Crystal. She's like, you always leave out when you talk to doctors or when you describe to people, you always leave out the most characteristic and bizarre things, the moving hair, the glitter hexagons, the da, 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 because you are afraid that it will just be dismissed. But in fact, those are the most unique and salient features. It's like those things, the presence of those things almost eliminate the possibility of many, many other things, you know? But it's like, I just wasn't able to sit with it. I kept trying to squeeze it into the paradigm and schema that my brain had some familiarity with, trying to hammer a square peg into a round hole. And I that, that I also felt like that was like the wife in the story. She was just like, I'm going to make this work. It's all going to be all right. It's like, bitch, you've got blood all over your dress. There are bodies downstairs, <laughs> you know, like, but I was going through that phase myself for a long time. I think up until like very recently. Well, I still had to go through all that research stuff too and we learned a lot we learned a lot about shit we would have never known about (laughs) 
know. I know about viruses and bacteria. And I'm an amateur uh, entomologist <laughs> now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh huh. Uh huh. So I'm curious, like, if you have been, are you still in a treatment mode? Do you try to treat? No. Okay. How do you feel about that? Do you feel healthier or not healthier about that? Or. Um, I just treat my mental health. Yeah, yeah, me too, gal. Me too. Um, I feel. I just still wash my face every night with the same thing. I still use like the same lotion all the time. Mm-hmm. I do those things, but nothing special. I use the same dangerous shampoo I've used. The, the catechosinol, um, antifungal. It's the Denerex. Denerex, okay, yeah. Okay. It's actually, I think, was originally for mites, you know? Yeah. Interesting. I think I think for me at this point, because when mine are really bad and and you know, I, I tend to like get so desperate that I'm like, well, let me try this, you know, and nothing crazy, you know. I'm not like, hmm, ammonia. No, those days are long gone. <laughs> but like, you know, just like trying another, you know, maybe antiseptic yeah. that I haven't tried before or something like that. But um I am convinced. It's only been like six months, maybe to a year, that I stopped buying stuff. To be honest. Okay. Yeah. Because you know, I would always, I would read some. I'd buy that MSM or that uh-huh. silver or that. Mm-hmm. I'd read everything. I would read. I would go buy if it was at the drugstore on mm-hmm. Amazon. Yeah. And yeah. It wasn't over. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that was about my litmus as well. I I did that for a good first like eight, nine, ten months for sure. So I, so no, I just use the same stuff and do the same thing. And I've never changed. And that is just, that is just a fault. And there's a part of me that I just, it's like it's, it brings me down to mm. not do anything about it. Oh. And. Really? See, I experience it very differently. I experience it as freedom. Like, I ain't got to spend my time cleaning these fucking sheets. I don't know. I know nothing works. So I'm done with that. Like, that, that's spinning my wheels, wasting my money. I feel free from that now. Yeah. I just hope- never believe. I've never been a big believer in supplements. I'm not saying that I have reason for that. I just personally am like, eh, don't need it. But like, I, I, I don't know. I guess Abby, I just felt pretty early on. I think because I had the benefit of knowing what Morgellons was before I got it. That like, I, I pretty much almost instantly knew that like, mm, no dermatologist is going to help you. And if I have tried almost every antifungal, antibiotic, steroid cream, Accutane, XYZ, then it's not going to respond to therapies in any way that is, I mean, maybe something's mitigated, lessen it. But personally, I think when we notice those results, we're just 
we're just observing the natural cyclical nature of the ups and downs of this thing. I mean, I could be wrong, but that's the problem. It's all anecdotal, you know? We don't have a control group, you know? And, yeah, I've, I only went to two dermatologists, and just the way that they made me feel, oh. I, I just have, had no hope. Yeah. And would not put myself in that position again. No. No freaking way. No. No, it's... Um, Horrible. I only went to the emergency room once. Um, I only really told my doctor all about it once. And my new doctor, I barely told her about it. So. Yeah, I started thinking about it pretty differently when I started sort of like, so really seems like this is nanotech. And in that premise, like, we are at the wrong office. <laughs> like, the doctor doesn't know about this, doesn't have tests for this. They're not the right expert to be asking, you know? Mm -hmm. I almost wonder if those, like, forensic uh, detectives, you know, that know about glitter, like, pull them into it if we could. And then get the, um, just get the damn materials really you know, rigorously with a large sample, get them tested. What the fuck are these things? Because until then, it just seems like we're just going to be up against the whole disbelief thing. I mean, that seems to be a bulletproof <laughs> cover for this. Like, they're crazy. End of discussion. Goodbye. I also think sometimes we can just find some documents. Mm -hmm. just, I think that's possible. I think that's possible. I think that's possible. I mean, I think we can work on that. That's something we can do. But don't you also feel, though, that even if we had the evidence that getting it accepted or peer reviewed, like it would take a it would take a campaign over a long period of time, to be honest. Yeah, it's pretty impossible. But, but you know what? But I think it's impossible, not impossible, but it is maybe pretty impossible in that sort of route. But, like, what if instead we kind of, like, looked at the issue from another perspective and considering what it, I sense to be, like, the trend, the cases of Morgulons are increasing year by year, especially exponentially since 2020, and, you know, there will reach a critical mass of people of, con you know, concerned about this. And with all the new AI technologies, better or worse, like, there's ways to analyze these things and to, like, you know, like, to see what, like, how likely is it? Where, where do these objects come from? What the hell is this glitter with a hair coming out of it that's all over the United States from people, different people that don't know each other? I mean, there's, it seems like you could kind of, like, establish things without even getting... Um, necessarily like academia's approval you know what I mean you just put the data out there and make sure it's like it's very clear that it's irrefutable data you know uh -huh. it's like that guy who proved that um, gastric ulcers were not caused by stress when he infected himself with the pylori bacteria and proved by doing so that it was like you know you cannot call me crazy anymore and by the way they did call him crazy uh-huh. Yeah. But has anyone ever gotten an ultrasound? Hmm. 
ultrasound. I bought a little ultrasound machine. What was that? I bought a little ultrasound machine, actually. Um, wasn't a high-quality piece of equipment, but um, I read some study that said that, like, if you use ultrasound with antibiotics, it, like, they're more effective. So, you know me, Mr. Wizard. I was, like, trying to, like, figure out how to do this. And um, what I found weird was that, I don't know if it was a crappy machine or artifact. I am pretty experienced with using an ultrasound machine, but, like, <laughs> I was getting, like strange like um pulses in places in my face that i wouldn't normally expect to find a pulse especially that would come up on doppler and stuff but like it's just weird yeah that's just a little bit underneath yeah yeah what are your what's your physical symptoms what are your dailies like it's same old same old or worse better so physically I have aches and pains, and I have eyes on, so I don't really know, but I feel like I'm physically fine. Good. You know? Me too. Except for the lesions. that way after listening to other stories. Yes. I know. I think, I think those people probably are the ones that have Lyme, too. Perhaps, yeah. And that's associated in some kind of fashion. I don't know. Yeah. But that's why it'd be so great to have the the data and research about comorbidities and stuff because people are really concerned. Part of the anxiety is they have no idea what their prognosis is, you know? Um, yeah, I think I'm, I'm starting to be able to accept the uncertainty aspect of it. I mean, that's a long process, but it's certainly been increased over the years, you know? And I feel like, like you said, I really, really am focused now on just what do I know I can do about the things that are connected to this that I'm suffering with? The social isolation, the, you know, mental confusion and distress and the, you know, just the things that are hard to even tell what exactly it comes from, but it just doesn't feel like you, you know? have a drive and a passion and still a zest for life that I don't have. Mm. I wonder I, I wonder if that's because like you... when I gave up treatment I gave up hope of everything. Mm. Yeah. Including finding an answer anything. I think it would be really hard to have a zest for, you know, and the hope, like, if you don't have other people to pump you up and support you and to keep you in the the possibilities and the, the you know, just the, the solidarity. You know, you just feel, like, safer when you know you have people that have your back and you don't have to, like, justify everything, you know? So I'm glad, and I'm I'm really glad that you reached I out. Like I can't help. I'm sorry. What do you mean by that? Like my brain is really tired. Mm, mm. 
that's that's valid. Should we take a break and talk again another time, or you just need time? No, no, I want to talk again another time. Okay, good. Maybe good. I'll be more positive because well, you don't have I don't to. I know that I'm helping anybody by saying what I'm saying. Oh, I, Abby, I'm positive that you are. And by the way, like. If anything, you don't want to, you know. Obviously, you know. I'm, I'm. If you, if you call me and say, "Oh my gosh, I don't know if I want to keep the," <laughs> like it'll be out. You know, this is about you, not about me controlling some kind of narrative. It's about you telling, you know, your story. But I promise you, Abby, there will be. I know there will be people out there who specifically you like they most relate to, they most appreciated your voice and story because that's that's just the diversity of humans and like. You never know what you're giving to people, but you're giving them something when you're being honest and authentic, especially with your vulnerability and and your sadness and your, you know, because we're all at times feeling that too, you know, like it's helpful to know that like, yeah, this is part of it. I'm not ashamed of it. It's part of it. It's part of my life. Sorry to be so like immediately dreadful it's just that i've been trying to tell somebody how dreadful it's been please please girl like if i needed to i would like send you a four hour fucking monologue but you don't have to listen to this but (laughs) i needed to say it no if you've been sitting alone with this then you deserve to have maybe we just this is where we vent it all out and then if we decide we want the vent in we do but i know that it almost takes that it's like I feel like, girl, you better cry because <laughs> your soul needs to be cleansed with tears. That is holding in a lot of pain by yourself. And like, I just want, you know, if you can put it down, put it down. You know, I want to be here to like take it off your shoulders if I can in any way. Sometimes just saying it out loud is like, ugh, ugh, get it out. <laughs> you know. I got it. You know, I can't. I can only cry. So heavily medicated. Oh, girl, that's all you had to say was PMS. Call me in five days. <laughs> so as soon as that comes up, I will. Call I me when you're ovulating. You'll be like, the sun is out and everything's fine. <laughs> We're all victims of our hormones. I just went through that last week, girl. <laughs> Such a bitch. And then there's menopause. Just fuck you, God. Oh my gosh. Abby, I am so glad. This is actually the perfect amount of time to talk, and I'm kind of tired. My brain frogs are getting to me too, but I am going to, if I have to, annoy you, and if you have to, please annoy me because I want to stay in touch and I want to continue talking. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, you have my word. And uh, I'm going to keep hearing more people me too. More stories. Morgie stories. Morgie stories. Yeah, no, I'm really excited about uh, a lady that I met recently who I, I'm dying to hear her story. And she's, I think she's a little nervous and hesitant and I don't blame her. It's scary, you know? Um, but like, I'm hoping, she, and I think she will come on and I'm, yeah, I'm loving the stories. Like it's really helping people. It really is. It's helping me. Yeah. And I don't know, maybe, I don't know about the dildo story. I'll 
I'll take that out. <laughs> but it's a good one. It's a good one. I actually have one about a toothbrush and an adolescent patient, but you know, I probably shouldn't tell that either. But but let's just say that <laughs> they're still good stories, even if they're maybe not for this episode. <laughs> You as well. I love you, girl. Take care. Bye. Bye. The future music. In the future, in